I'm Sid. And I'm Jess. And, and this, this is the Book Boyfriend Project. Project. So in today's episode, we are going to share a couple of our unpopular bookish opinions with you guys. I had a few more than Jess, so I'll be doing a little bit more of the talking, but we thought this would just be kind of a fun, casual, little chatty episode. Yep. So I guess I'm not really sure what unpopular bookish opinions means, which is why I had less than Sid, because I'm like, okay, well, I guess, like, there's a great debate on, like, whether or not, like, paperback and hardback are better than ebook, and mm-hmm. I feel like the fact that I think ebooks are better is kind of an unpopular opinion. Mm-hmm. I would say it's an unpopular opinion in our very small book club. <laughs> With the two of us in it. <laughs> because, I mean, like, I understand the merits of an ebook, and I'm trying to get better about buying more ebooks than regular books because, A, they take up way less space. They're a little bit more eco friendly because they're not paper, so you're not chopping down a tree. But also, like, I feel like the whole experience of reading a physical book is just something that I can't replace or forget about. See, and I've read ebooks the majority of my life they are cheaper they are more eco-friendly and I love that Kindle like stores your space in it you can mm-hmm. highlight a book and personally I hate taking any type of ink or writing in my books like mm-hmm. I feel like that's just very sacrilegious to oh, do yeah. with an author it and is. to write in their books mm-hmm. so the ability to highlight like an ebook and such just feels so much better to me because I get to highlight my favorite parts and I get to be like, oh, that was super funny. Mm -hmm. And I love that. I totally get the merits of ebooks and I don't disagree with any of them. I just, I still love the whole paper experience. I'm trying to get more into ebooks though. Yeah. I feel, I understand, but I'm also just very much like, I adore my Kindle so Mm -hmm. much. Like, the first time I broke one of my Kindles, because, I mean, the whole, like, like their composition is just kind of fragile, and the first time I broke one of my Kindles, I cried for, like, a day straight. You did? I did. <laughs> I cried so much, and my mom was like, don't worry, like, we have another warranty, you will have a new one in two weeks, and I'm like, but that's two weeks without it! And I cried for, like, a day. I would be so upset. Two weeks without a book. Yeah, I cried for, like, a day. It was very bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Okay, so my first unpopular bookish opinion is that Twilight is overhyped by a lot. So I feel like um, I just totally missed the Twilight train. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did it by choice. I chose not to read it. Um, and coming back to it all these years later and as, like, an adult, I mean, like, I feel like even adults were reading Twilight and they were, like, super excited about it. So just coming back to it now after reading so many other like vampire werewolf themed books it just really fell flat for me you know yeah and I get it falling flat um I feel like Twilight had this like golden age of like mm, maybe five years when the books were released and the movies had just started being made and I feel like Mm, for like the first three movies it was pretty good and everyone was excited about it and it was really popular and everyone liked it and then by like the fourth and fifth movie like all of these critics were like it's not a real love story Mm -hmm. and it's so dumb and he sparkles and he's not a real vampire (laughs) and all this other stuff and I feel like Twilight went from being like this very like yummy like YA thing that was like 
I feel like it almost, like, was one of the first, like, YA romance novel things that was actually, that like, started the whole book-to-movie adaptations. Mm -hmm. Because I feel like that was, like, the real, like, first one that was actually done. Like, yes, Harry Potter had been made into movies, but that was more of, like, a fantasy, like, children's kind of book thing. Like, Mm -hmm. not children's per se, but... yeah. It was more fantasy, and it wasn't really centered on, like, an actual romance yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And let's just not think about Nicholas Sparks movies in this point, because Nicholas Sparks movies are romance movies of their own accord, and they've yeah. just always been timeless. They're not... And The Notebook will always hold a special place uh, in my heart. I can't watch... I've only watched that movie twice, because it makes me cry. <laughs> I love The Notebook. If you want, like, a good movie that's gonna make you cry, that's the one. No, and The Vow rips me apart worse. I don't think I've ever watched The Vow. I feel like we have to watch it, but also I don't want to cry. Because <laughs> will, I almost sob at the end of that movie. <laughs> okay, so I will have to watch it by myself then. I mean, I'll watch, I'm not going to make you watch it by yourself. That's not what friends do, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make John watch it with me. Okay, that works. <laughs> okay. He better cry, too. If Jacob watched that with me, he would just stare at me like, what is wrong with you right now? <laughs> okay okay anyways um but yeah twilight is actually the yes it's gonna be the first i almost said the second um the first book that we're including in our ya rewind series so we've mentioned the series a couple times here and there but if you missed it in our other episodes basically jess and i are revisiting each other's um like past book loves we're kind of mainly focusing on books that we read in high school because that was before we met each other and so we weren't like swapping book recommendations and we do have very different reading tastes so not like very different sometimes they're very different sometimes sometimes um so we're kind of going back and forth so I'm currently reading the Twilight series I've never read it before and I'm less than impressed I won't lie you guys but you'll hear more about that in those episodes they should be coming in the next couple weeks Mm -hmm. okay so my next unpopular bookish opinion is that the City of Bones series was fantastic even after book three. So if you haven't read this series, you're not really going to understand this one. Um, but many people said that it should have stopped at a trilogy. A lot of Cassandra Clare's other um, series that are within that world have stopped at trilogies. The City of Bones was her first. I believe she wrote that one first and then she worked the clo- wrote the clock. Clockwork. Yes, Clockwork Angel series. I could not say Clockwork there. Um, And that one stopped at a trilogy. That one's just, like, heartbreaking. It rips my heart out and shreds it to pieces every time. Um, But I feel like she's really taken in that constructive criticism and kept all of her other books at a trilogy. But I really enjoyed the fact that it went on for three more books. It was a bit bit more drawn out than maybe it needed to be but I just fell in love with those characters and that world so much that I was like give me more (laughs) I was happy so was like most of the kind of plot driving forces kind of oh yeah resolved in book three yeah and there was like a little bit of like a like mini cliffhanger regarding one of them so like it left the door open for more books they didn't they didn't just like pull a villain out of nowhere yeah so, the character had already existed, and they were already an antagonistic force within the world, but it was kind of, like, put to rest for the moment, you know? Mm-hmm. She could have stopped there, and it would have been okay, but I enjoyed that I kept going. Mm. Okay. 
So my next kind of unpopular book opinion, I don't know if it's exactly unpopular, but I feel like it's going to be unpopular with Sid, is that listening to a book is less immersive than actually reading it. Like, personally for me, when I'm listening to a book, I can't, like, I don't picture it as well. I want to, like, backtrack a lot and I want to reread something a lot, and that's much harder to do when you're just listening to a book. Because most of the time when you're listening to a book uh, or like an audiobook, you're doing it while your hands are busy or I like listening to them when I'm doing the dishes and so like my hands are wet and I can't actually backspace when I want to backspace very easily and I feel Mm -hmm. like it's a lot less immersive because I feel like, oh, I missed that part or oh, I want to go back to that part. Mm -hmm. Whereas this is where I like ebooks very well as much. If something is mentioned like in the book and I'm like, oh, wait. I remember this part. This part was, like, very, like, integral to, like, what they just said. And this that was, like, a foreshadowing. And now I want to, like, search for that. And I want to go back and read that part. Mm-hmm. And I can't. And I'm, like, yeah, very, it, I don't know. I, I love Osmia books. <laughs> I don't backtrack when I read. If I, like, I feel like I do this more with audiobooks than I do with, like, regular physical books, but, like, if I read a book, because I feel like sometimes the first time that I read a book, I get so sucked into, like, the plot line and the story that I kind of ignore some of the details or I just miss some of the details, like, foreshadowing and stuff like that. So, if I really, really enjoy an audiobook, it's not really abnormal for me to, like, finish it and turn around and start it all over again. <laughs> so, I guess maybe that's my way of backtracking. I feel like sometimes they can be less immersive it just really depends on the book for me and what I'm doing because like sometimes some audiobooks like I need to like just sit and do something very mindless with my hands or like whatever because I'm so sucked into the story but like some audiobooks that don't really capture my attention quite as much I would agree that they're less immersive I think it just depends it depends on the narrator depends on the book (laughs) depends on my mood (laughs) what I'm supposed to be doing instead of listening to a book. (laughs) I don't know. I guess I just don't see the world as fully. And I don't know. I guess some of the books are good because then you get to hear them. And then, Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just not my favorite way to read. I feel like this is probably bad, but I feel like I get more sucked into audiobooks when I'm driving. Like, I'm not ignoring the road or what's happening in front of me, but I feel like that is enough of a, like, not, I don't want to say background distraction, but I feel like I drive better. I feel like I do most things better when I have either music on or an audiobook or something that can, like, kind of occupy my brain or, like, give my brain some background music or something so I can actually focus on what I'm supposed to be doing. Interesting. It's my ADD coming out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... My next unpopular bookish opinion is that the Paper Towns ending is criminal. It's the absolute worst. It's like the epitome of dissolution and it just makes me so angry and I have not read a John Green book since I read that book because I was so angry. I'll admit, the only John Green book I've ever attempted to read was Looking for Alaska and I had to stop after 50% of the book. So I don't think his writing is like all that great, although that's probably a bad thing to say after only reading one book and I've never read Paper Towns so I can't actually contribute much to this discussion. So like basically what happens with Paper Towns, this is a really old book so I'm just gonna spoil it guys, they go on this like wild goose chase after this girl that like the main character is in love with and 
I feel like she has, like, all these really big, like, philosophies about life, like, living life to the fullest and blah, blah, blah. It's been years since I've read this book, so I'm, like, heavily paraphrasing here. Um, and basically, he's, like, finding all these clues after she disappears, and he thinks that she's, like, trying to tell him where she's at. And, like, he gets there, and he shows up, and he finds her, and she's like, what are you doing here? Like, I just left those things. They weren't clues or anything. And I was very upset. So there was no love story. There was, he was, it was just this, like, he's in love with this girl. It was this big mystery, this big treasure hunt to find her. And then she's like, yeah, no, I don't care about you. Yeah. Basically. That's so rude. Why would you do that? What? I don't know. How do you expect that to sell? What? I don't know. It just made me very angry. And I still haven't forgiven John Green. So I also don't really like John Green. I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion or not. (laughs) I feel like it maybe is. I'm just angry with him like, still. I feel like there's a lot of John Green books out. There are. I don't know. I was kind of interested in reading Turtles All the Way Down. Now I can't even remember what that one's about. I think that's one of his newest releases. But I read The Fault in Our Stars. I read The Fault in Our Stars first. I don't think I could even read that one anymore. And then I read... I think I read Paper Towns next. And then I was so angry that I stopped reading them all together. Mm. I would be too. Yeah. Because I don't, I don't, I hate dissolution endings more than I hate cliffhangers. Like, there have been books, I remember this one time in high school, I think it was after I finished one of the selection books, I finished it, and like half an hour later, I was in like a totally different class, and my friend was like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm just really upset about this cliffhanger ending. Nothing has made me so upset as that ending has. Okay, so for those of us that don't know what dissolution endings are, can you explain that term? Like, when there's no, like, when the climax of the story results in nothing. Like, you've been working towards this thing the entire story, and it's not like it falls apart, but it's like it was, like, the totally wrong path for you to be on. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah, so, I hate it, it makes me so angry, and I've not forgiven John Green. So... (laughs) This other one is kind of directed at Jess because she was doing this the other weekend and we went on a trip together. Listening to audiobooks at normal speed is slow and painful torture. I sped up the book when you went inside to go get your water. I see. (laughs) It was so bad. I tried really hard. Okay, I didn't try that hard because we were only in the car for like five minutes listening to it before we had to come back. Mm. I can't do it though. I don't know. Like, I guess I've never actually played around with audiobook speeds, so I don't... I feel like... ...really know what the difference is. I just... I don't know. I remember reading my first couple audiobooks and thinking, like, oh, I feel like they're just talking, like, so slow, and so I was just cranking it up. 1.25 is, like, my sweet spot. Mm. Okay. Yeah. I guess I'll have to play around with it a little bit and figure it out. Yeah. When we were listening to it, I cranked it up to 1.15. Because I didn't want you to notice. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> but I mean, I noticed that it was at 1.15 on my app, but I kind of figured that was just the normal speed. No. <laughs> no. I totally Good cranked to it know. up. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Do you want to do one next? Okay, so my next one is that books shouldn't become movies. They should only become TV series. I'm on board with this one. I don't, 
I feel like most people are like, I just want to see my favorite book on the big screen, and I don't care if it's a movie or a TV series, but I'm very much against a book becoming a movie, mm-hmm. because I feel like when they make it into a movie, they're trying to shove this, like, 400-page book into two hours, and the audiobooks take, you know, eight to ten hours mm-hmm. when you're, like, when they're just performing it, reading it through, mm-hmm. and the fact that you're trying to take that and cut out six hours worth of material to make into this two-hour movie mm-hmm. just upsets me so much, and I'm like, no, do you know how much crap was just taken out of that book? And then something that also irritates me is if I've read a book and then I watch the movie, and then someone's like, oh, the book is, the movie is so amazing, like, it's so great, and then I just look at them, you don't and even I'm know like, what it's freaking missing. horrible. And then I tell someone it's horrible, and they're like, well, I think it's amazing, and then they get really, and I'm like, well, then you should read the book, because <laughs> it'll ruin it, and they're like, I don't want to, and I'm like, how could you not want to? You just said that was amazing. Don't you want to know the rest of the story? Yeah. And then they're like, no, that's good enough for me, and I get so pissy about it. I'm like, what do you mean that's good enough for you? Yeah. That's not what the author intended the story to be. Like, ugh. Yeah. Plus, it irritates I, me so much. I feel like whenever they turn books to movies, with exception for, with, like, very few movies. Like, I feel like they did a good job with the first Hunger Games movie, even though they changed a couple things. That's the only one that's really coming to mind that I'm like, they did a great job with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they always cut out, like, scenes that, like, as you read the book, they have a lot of significance to the story. And then they just end up cutting out, like, an entire subplot or something, and that's very irritating. Mm-hmm. See, the only movies that I truly enjoy, like, The Notebook or The Last Song or, like, The Longest Ride... Those, I'm pretty sure, are all Nicholas Sparks books, by the way. Um, I haven't actually ever read a Nicholas Sparks book. Mm-hmm. Oh, and A Walk to Remember. I love all of those movies. They're so amazing. And I've never read a Nicholas Sparks book, like, the actual book before the movie. And I don't mm-hmm. think I will because of the fact that, like, I already know, like, the bare bones of the story. And yeah, I'm like, well, I love it. And I don't, like, I feel like I would listen to an audiobook. Yeah. I don't think I would read the book. I feel like I'd listen to the audiobook. Yeah. Because you don't necessarily need that immersive experience when you already basically know. Like, you've already seen the characters. So I'm like... Yeah. I don't know. To me, reading a book after I've watched the movie is a little painful. I feel like sometimes it can be painful, but also I feel like I've gotten very good at, like, totally separating the two in my head. Like, for instance, the Percy Jackson movies and the Percy Jackson books don't even exist on the same plane in my head. Yeah, I don't think I'm good at separating them at all. Mm. That's your problem. Uh, yeah, it is a problem. That's so. That's what. That's why you can't enjoy both. Yeah, yeah. But I'm totally good with like series becoming TV shows, mostly because like that's that part of me that just wants more and more and more from these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um. So next unpopular bookish opinion that I have is that I love books with multiple point of views. Okay, so when you say I love a book with multiple POVs, are you talking about I want to know like the girl and the main character and the main boy's side? Like I want like that dual POV kind of book, or are you talking like I want multiple POVs? Like I'm gonna read one book and it's gonna follow four different friends, and I'm gonna get all of their POVs and all of their love stories all in this one book. I hate you. <laughs> I know you would. <laughs> I hate you. I adore. I straight up ad- 
adore dual POVs where oh, it's the too. male and the female. I, I adore it. But if I'm going to do, like, a four-person p- POV that's following four different love stories in the same book, I get so pissy, and I'm like, no. Ooh, like, I don't think do you can read not. American Royals, then. I'm like, do not do this to me. I hate this so much. Please just split them into four standalone books and make it, like, a series kind of thing. Because no. I can't. I hate it. I hate it so much. I love it. I feel like I don't... I didn't think I would love it, but I feel like I've read that in the, what's it called? I think it's called The Thousandth Floor or The Thousandth thousandth Story Tower or something. That story by Catherine McGee, also by Catherine McGee, the American Royalist series. And then most recently I kind of experienced that in the Crazy Rich Asian series. And I feel like either I have to audiobook those books so I can like continuously read them while I'm doing something else or I have to sit down and read those books in like a weekend because that's not a kind of book when it has that many characters and plot lines to keep track of that I can like pick up and put down like over a two-week span because I'm gonna forget what's happening um but I just I think it provides unique insight into each character and you get more of the story and more of the world when you do it like that Mm -hmm. see I like those kinds when it's kind of following like a group of friends and you get, like, multiple POVs, but they take the time, like, you're getting the multiple POVs, but you're only following, like, only one love story is really, like, the central of the book. Oh, yeah. I don't... See, I like the multiple POVs when it's just, like, one love story, or if it's, like, a friend group, and, like, it's, like, the love story isn't the main focus of the book. Like, if it's, like, a pure kind of romance, I can't have that, but if it's, like, it's a friend group and they're doing like all of these other things and like the friend group and like their like progress through whatever like superpowers that my boyfriend is having me read is multiple POV but it's their the focus of the book is their growth in like their superhero university kind of thing and it's not mm-hmm. any one is love it like story sky high? yeah it is like oh sky high. it's so <laughs> It's so interesting. I love it so much. I'm on, like, the third book, and they're, like, 800-page books, and I'm like, what? Why? Huh? (laughs) Okay, maybe you'll like American Royals, then. So, I'm like, I can't stand when it's, like, four different love stories happening at once. But if it's, it's like, like, multiple POV, like, third-person kind of thing, then I'm fine. I don't know. I think you just need to try it, and then we'll figure that out. Um, my next unpopular bookish opinion is that I, this is something that I really realized when I was reading Twilight, I cannot stand how mental health issues are sometimes portrayed in YA, like, when they're not addressed, because, like, we touched on this a lot in our Why Rewind episode of Twilight, or of New Moon, Mm -hmm. um, Bella is dealing with, like, serious depression and she's having this like major overreaction to their breakup yeah and if I like I'm just thinking about if I was reading that book at 13 14 15 16 how would I perceive that would I immediately think oh that's a normal reaction to a breakup this is a normal way that I would handle like feeling depression or something like this and I just feel like that's not healthy it's not healthy and I feel like it's almost irresponsible of authors to do that like I understand why they do that because Mm -hmm. it makes for a good story but it just the older I get the more it really bothers me Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like we're going to be a little bit more restrictive with our children and what YA books they can read yeah (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) um 
I mean, I totally understand it, and I feel like they definitely don't do a very good job of it sometimes, but I feel like as mental health becomes, because you have to remember, this was written before 2008, before mental health was this, like, big thing that was at the forefront of a lot of people's minds, and Mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot of talk and discussion about it, so when she wrote Twilight, it was... Like, there was no it wasn't real connotation thing. to it. Yeah. Because I just feel like, unless you have... Thankfully, I grew up in a house where that was talked about, you know, if I was feeling that way, I knew that there were ways to deal with it other than, like, jumping off a freaking cliff. That's a separate issue. We'll get we'll get into New Moon another day. Um, But <laughs> I feel like if you didn't have that support system or have that knowledge, then... I, I don't know. It just really bothered me, like, what that was teaching someone... Mm-hmm. A younger person that was reading that, you know? Yeah. I and, like, that. I'm not against mental health struggles being depicted in books. I think that's something that a lot of people struggle with. And, you know, when you read about a book character feeling the way that you feel, you may feel a sense of, like... Kinship. Kinship, such. community. Yeah, like, you're not alone. You're not the only one facing this. But I just feel like there needs to be some sort of, like, treatment or healthy way of dealing with that at some point in the book, you know? Yeah, but Bella gets none of that. No. So, I think my next unpopular bookish opinion is going to be that if a book can make you cry, it's at the top of the list. Mainly because when I, when a book can make me have a physical reaction to a character, I feel like it's done its job. Mm -hmm. It has made me feel for these characters. It has connected me to these characters. And it has really done its job of character development and making you fall in love with the characters themselves not just the book but the actual characters and when you feel so emotional about a scene that it's causing you to cry I feel like it's just the author's writing is so much better than and that's like basing it off of if there is a sad scene Mm -hmm. like if there is something that should make me cry and I do cry then it's much better than a book that has a sad scene that I don't cry at Mm mm-hmm Like, if I'm reading, like, a straight-up romantic comedy and I don't cry, then I feel like I shouldn't be crying. Like, if it's supposed to be a comedy, then I should not be crying. But obviously, like, if it's something that has, like, something hard, something emotional, and I cry, then it's at the top of the list. Mm, I don't know. I don't like to read books that make me cry, I won't lie. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I do agree that if they... If you connect with the characters enough and the storyline enough that it makes you cry, then it's probably a pretty good book. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my next bookish opinion is that I love when authors annotate books, like, as characters. And what I mean by this is, like, for example, if you <laughs> if you guys were as obsessed with the Shadowhunter world as I was, and you bought the Shadowhunter's Codex, which is, like, the Shadowhunter Bible, basically, um... Alec, I want to say it's Alec and Jace, like, doodled in the margins, and they wrote little notes to each other, and I kind of wish that authors would include, like, bits of that in, like, all the books that they write, because I just love that. Maybe that's, like, a total book nerd thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're all book nerds, let's be honest. If we're here, we're book nerds. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of the same thing as adding, like, a map of a world. Yeah, yeah. I love those little extra bits and pieces that really just make the story come alive and mm-hmm. give characters that much more life. Mm-hmm. Well, if that's all, mm-hmm. I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next week.